heard it said uh, a number of times, we're starting new series within a series, um, and, and we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're still in the book of 1 Corinthians, and so this is still tackling the issue of mercy grace, right? That we are a messy people, but God is gracious, that His grace continues to cover our mess. Um, and so the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in fact, we've titled this series, The Holy Spirit Gives, all right, the Holy Spirit gives. Now, let me say this before we jump in. When talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's two camps, right? In the church world, there are two camps. Uh, there's one camp that goes, hey, listen, we uh, believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased, at least the supernatural ones, that they no longer exist, that they ended uh, during the early church, that once the scriptures had been put together, once now the Bible had now been given to us, that those supernatural gifts have ceased. They no longer exist. There's that one camp. The other camp says, no, hold on, we believe that they continue, that they continue, that God is still at work through these gifts. Um, and so it's kind of crazy in these two worlds because uh, these two camps exist, but even in these camps, there's like massive extremes, right? There's massive extremes. On the one end, those who like, listen, they have seized. Uh, the extreme is to go, listen, we believe in the Trinity. It's God, the Father, God, the Son, and then God, the Holy Scriptures, right? That the Holy Spirit is this silent entity, this silent partner that kind of sits at the back and doesn't really do anything. That's the one extreme on this one camp. The other extreme on the camp that believes that the gifts continue is those that are just always sitting and waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something. It's always the Holy Spirit. And so when you ask questions about, well, what about sanctification? The Holy Spirit. Uh, what about the Scriptures? The Holy Spirit. Like the answer for everything is the Holy Spirit. And they fail to see that the Spirit is actually part of the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll say this. As Rooted Fellowship, and if you've been to our story or if you've read our statement of faith, you would know that we are in the camp that says we believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue. The supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit continue and that God continues to work in them to equip the church so that we might see God for who He is in all His glory and in all His splendor. All right, so I just wanted to put that out there, and we'll probably say this over and over and over again, just to, so that you guys are sitting here, you guys would know, okay, where does rooted land? What do they believe? We believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are at work, all of them, that they continue. All right, so I just wanted to put that out there. If you have a Bible, you, know, you can meet me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 will be in the first 11 verses this morning, and so um, what I'll do is I'll read uh, the passage to you. It'll be up on the screen as well. And then I'll pray. I'll pray for you. I ask that you pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this morning as we unpack the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1. Hear these words of our Father. Now concerning spiritual gifts, if you have your Bible open, so, some uh, interpretations will have the word gifts in italics. Right, and here's why. Uh, that was inserted after this had been put together. And it had been inserted, the word gifts had been inserted to help us understand what Paul was actually talking about. To help us navigate through these uh, next few chapters as Paul unpacks the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so originally it, just, it was just spiritual. Now concerning the spirituals. Concerning the spirituals. What Paul was saying is, I'm about to talk about the supernatural. 
the supernatural, and not like in a weird way, not like comic book superhero type supernatural. No, no, no. Supernatural, things that happen that are outside of the norm, that equip the church, and you'll see this in a moment, that equip the church and help us see who God is. So now concerning the spirituals, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that it is active, that it continues to move and transform the individual lives of people. And so, Lord, I ask that you would meet us where we are, that we are in desperate need of a Savior, and so would you show us that this morning, even as we unpack the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray against any distractions here this morning. And so it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us know, say, and do. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May they be a sweet fragrance to you. God, you are our king. You are our redeemer. Would you have your way in this place this morning? And would you unify us? We are tackling something that, that brings so much division in the church. And so, Lord, would you unify us in your spirit? Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' beautiful, beautiful name we pray. Amen. So verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you well, let, let, me, let me set the tone. Let me try to give some context to what's going on. You see, the Corinthians are what we might call super charismatics. See, their gatherings were extremely colorful, energetic, loud, emotional, and active. People are praying out aloud over one another. Some are making prophetic declarations. And others are randomly speaking or just rambling in different languages, some real and others made up all at the same time and all supposedly in the Spirit. Now, depending on your church background, this may sound familiar. It looks spiritual, it feels spiritual, but Paul says that it is no different to what the Corinthians, who didn't know Jesus, who hadn't crossed the line of faith, Paul says, hey, this doesn't look any different to what they do in their temples when they are worshiping their idols. It doesn't look any different. And because the idols were not real, they had no real spirit or real mouth to inspire anything. They were mute. 
See, the people, they wanted to look spiritual. They wanted to look spiritual. And so those who didn't know Jesus, their spirituality was self-induced, manufactured by individuals to make themselves look and feel spiritual. It was like a spiritual competition. They want other people to believe that they are spiritual. Why? So that they might earn respect. That's what was happening. See, the Corinthians spoke of being spiritual as something earned because of who you were socially. Because of who you were socially. That's what determined your spirituality. You've proven yourself worthy or wise or knowledgeable or skilled. Therefore, God has gifted you. They worked hard to demonstrate this. And the more strange and the more unusual it was, it meant that you are more spiritual. Does this sound familiar? We live in a context and in a culture that is exactly like this. The more strange and the more unusual, then, yeah, then we're seriously spiritual. We have the Holy Spirit here. So then, how are we to evaluate whether all that is happening in our gatherings is from God? How are we to evaluate this? How are we to, to distinguish whether it's from God or whether it's self-made and we are just using it to prop ourselves up, to make ourselves seem as if we are in the Spirit? How do we distinguish this? See, too many come to church. They come to a gathering like this expecting to get something from God or from God's people rather than to give God worship and to love His people. Many come to church seeking a spiritual experience. And the problem is that we define this experience differently. We define this experience differently. So how do you evaluate spirituality? How do you evaluate the spirituality of a worship gathering? A song, a sermon, a prayer. See, typically we evaluate such experiences by their effects, right? By their effects, how did it make me feel? What did it help me learn? Where did it make me grow? And while those things are important and they might help you, they make declaring something spirit-filled or not very flimsy and very individualized. See, Paul states very clearly that we will know if something is from God or from the Spirit by where it leads you. He says this over and over and over again in the scriptures. He says, you, you want to find out if something is spiritual? Where does it lead you? Where does it take you? Does it draw you closer to God or does it puff you up? That's how you figure out if something is spirit-filled. See, spirituality does not necessarily lead to tears and tongues and tingles. According to Paul, the presence of the Spirit is not measured by how strange or disorderly, or even abnormal the effects are, but rather the Spirit leads to normal responses, greater thoughts about God, and a deeper appreciation of His grace. Every time. See, the presence of the Holy Spirit in prayer, in a sermon, in a song, is displayed by leading people to confess and actively submit to the Lordship of Jesus. You want to figure out if the Holy Spirit is present? Are people confessing? Are they bowing the knee? Are they submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ? 
if you want to know if the Spirit is at work, we should see a world awakened to the wonder of God and His transcultural church. We should see the world awakened to the wonder of God and His transcultural church. Genuine spirituality leads to making much of Jesus. False spirituality leads to making much of ourselves. Genuine spirituality leads to lordship. False spirituality leads to us trying to live as if we are Lord. So Paul is going to show us, right? In these few verses, he's going to unpack how we are to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to do so by laying out three things, all right? And so this morning, I only have three points for you, and then I'll be out your way. And those three things are, when thinking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we should see that they are given to us. That they are given to us. The second thing that we'll see is that they are given for us. They are given for us. And then the last thing that Paul will show us is that they are given to display God. Not you. Not you. They are given to display God. And so they are given to us, they are given for us, and then they are given to display God. Let's start with the first one, that they are given to us. Read with me in verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. See, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are freely given to us, much like grace is given to us. Grace is freely given to us. And in the same way, Paul says the gifts of the Holy Spirit are freely given to us. In fact, D.A. Carson says spiritual gifts can be translated as grace gifts. That they too are an act of grace from God. And so maybe we should better understand them as grace gifts. Spiritual gifts are not something on top of grace or better than grace, but are manifestations of God's grace to His people. And at their core, spiritual gifts are that. They're gifts. That's what they are. And they are given to us. One cannot merit or earn a grace gift. You can't earn one. You can't earn your spiritual gifts. And this is strange for us. In fact, it's actually challenging for us because we live in a culture that is so uh, achievement-based. It's about how much you've worked, how hard you've worked. And so for us to understand, I mean, even grace, even grace is so difficult for us to understand because we, we sit on the other side going, but, but have I really worked hard for this? And for some of you, you might think, man, I've really worked hard, and so, God, I deserve. I deserve. God, you owe me. But that's the wrong understanding of what grace is. And so if we fail to understand grace, we'll fail to understand the grace gifts. But they are freely given to us. But we've got to separate our understanding of gifts from how the culture understands it. And it's incredibly difficult because like, listen, Christmas. Christmas, right? The gifts that you get, it, it all depends on how hard you've worked or whether you've been naughty or nice, right? So it's about you. It's about how hard you've worked. Even graduation, 
You know, many of you have graduated and many of you are about to graduate. It's all dependent on how academically successful you were. If you worked hard, if you put in the hours, if you do well, then you deserved it. I mean, even just gifts with one another. Guys, I struggle to receive gifts. I'm going to be honest. I struggle to receive gifts. Here's why. Because I feel that, man, it's tick for tack, right? So I got a gift and so, oh, man, I've got to now find a gift for them. I don't really want to go shop around and try to figure out what they like. And so I'm like, I, I, just, I just don't want gifts. Hey, what do you want for your birthday? I don't want anything. Because I know your birthday is coming around the corner, right? And I've got to think about what you want. That's why the best gift is money. Always the best gift. See, gifts are given to mark even cultural advancements, whether it's weddings or job promotions or even retirement. This is the culture that we live in. And that's not inherently bad. The problem is that when we take that and we, we bring it into our relationship with Jesus, it messes up everything. It messes up everything. And so we even think that about the spiritual gifts that God freely gives through His Holy Spirit. Acts of kindness that are not attached to achievements are rare in our culture. They are strange in our context, but they are strikingly beautiful. When someone just randomly gives you something that you didn't expect, that you didn't work for, and they say they want nothing in return, something strikingly beautiful about that. This is how we are to understand spiritual gifts, that they are given to us. And this is why Paul says, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. See, he, he says that to try to tie it to us to understanding spiritual gifts. He says, listen, none of you, none of you come to Christ unless God initiates. None of us come to Christ unless God initiates. Now, do we desire God? Absolutely. But it's important for us to know that it's God who initiates. It's God who moves. It's God who acts. It's God who gives grace. And that there's no amount of work that we can do on our part, no amount of work that can earn the grace that He has freely given to us. In fact, Scripture tells us that our works to God are like filthy rags. He looks at us and He's like, it'll never be enough. What you're trying to do will never be enough. That is why I freely give. I freely give. And so it's the same with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they are freely given to us, that you don't have to work for them. In fact, you can't work for them. You can't work for them. So the first point Paul wants us to see and understand is that all gifts are given to us. All gifts are freely given to us. But this now leads us to our second point, and that is that they are given for us. They are given for us. The purpose of the gifts is forgiving. The purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for giving, that you freely receive so that you might freely give. We see this in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit 
for the common good. For the common good. That gifts are given in order that a believer might contribute to the common good. Of what? Of others. Of building up the body. Serving within the church. Not so that you might build your own ministry. Or grow your own platform. Or get your next book deal. Now again, those things aren't bad. A book deal is not a bad thing. Growing a ministry is not a bad thing. Growing in influence is not a bad thing. The question is, are those things anchored in Christ? Are they anchored in Christ or are they all about you? Are you taking all that has been given to you, all the gifts that have been given to you to serve yourself or to serve the common good, the body of Christ? And if you want to know if they are anchored in God, ask yourself this question. And this is a question I regularly ask myself. Ask yourself this question. If God took them away, all the gifts that you possess, if God took them away, would you be a wreck? Would you be on the floor with your fists to the heavens, crying out to God, cursing Him? Or would you say, the Lord gives and takes away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? Because He has not left me. He has not forsaken me. I say this regularly, that some of us, some of us will say things like this. When I'm operating in my gift, man, I I feel so connected to God. It's in those moments. In fact, only in those moments that I feel connected to God. And so we'll complain. We'll complain and go, man, I don't know if this church uh, recognizes all the gifts, you know, because I I don't get to, to serve in my gift because that's when I feel most connected to God. If you say that to me, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm going to pray that God takes away your gift. Because your gift is not what connects you to God. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, now I understand what you're trying to say, but the, the problem is that when you say that over and over and over again, you begin to live that way. And so when you don't see a particular gift operating in the church, or maybe you feel like, man, I feel like I'm not you know, serving with my particular gift, then you disconnect from the body you disconnect from the body. The problem is that you've forgotten. You've forgotten that those gifts have been given to you to serve the body, to serve the body, for therefore the common good. The Holy Spirit gives you your gifts for us. Not for you, for us. This implies that you must live in community. How else will the community benefit from your gift if you never hear? How else are we to benefit if you are never here? You're depriving the rest of the body when you don't live this way. So it's important for us to notice that the Spirit gives each one of us gifts. The Spirit gives each and every one of us. If you've crossed the line of faith, if you're a Christian here this morning, the Holy Spirit gives you a gift or gifts. Look at verse 7 again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given. If you've crossed the line of faith, then you have received a gift. The question maybe is trying to figure out, or the challenge maybe is trying to figure out what my gift is. And over the next five weeks or so, we're going to try to resource you with as much as we can in your city groups to try to help you figure out how do I discover my gift? 
What is my gift? How has God equipped me for the benefit of the body? To each is given. Each one of us that has crossed the line of faith should not doubt if we have a gift because to each is given. And here, here's an important thing. Gifts are not worked up to. They are lived into. Again, you cannot work for your gifts, but rather you operate in them and strengthen them. And you do so by serving the body and glorifying God. Now, there are a number of gifts. If you read the Scriptures, there are a number of gifts. But in this passage, Paul lists nine. He lays out nine spiritual gifts. Paul talks about them as supernatural gifts, different to natural gifts. And natural gifts are also given by the Holy Spirit. But here he talks about the supernatural gifts. Now let me explain what I mean by supernatural gifts and natural gifts. See, all human beings have been blessed and given all sorts of talents and competencies and abilities at the level of creation through God's common grace. All of us, we get those. We get all of those. We're made in the image of God, and so by God's common grace, we are given these natural abilities. But that sort of competency and ability or talent is not the same as encouraging someone spiritually through a grace gift, through a supernatural gift. See, through a supernatural gift, a Christian is essentially asserting the reality that Jesus is Lord over everything. And not everyone can do that with the mere natural gifts, competencies, abilities, and talents. You see, all of us have that. But you may not be a Christian and still possess those. But supernatural gifts are different because they, they point to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Hence the need for them. Hence the importance for us to be faithful with them so that we might cultivate this culture of displaying the wonder of God. And so Paul lists nine of them from verse 8. He says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the work, working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now I'm going to briefly go through these, very, very briefly. And again, I'm going to try to resource you guys over the next coming weeks with more. We'll have uh, just more resources with more about these gifts. And so I'm just going to go quickly through them. And then as the weeks go on, you'll see Paul will begin to highlight some of them, those that had become an issue in the church. I believe they are an issue today in many churches. And so we'll see that in the next coming weeks. But, but the nine that he lays out here, I'm going to quickly go through them just to unpack them. The first one he talks about is the utterance of wisdom. See, the emphasis is not on wisdom itself, but on the word or message produced by that wisdom. See, wisdom is characterized by observing natural order of things. That's how we understand wisdom. Observing the natural order of things or cause and effect. Biblical wisdom, the wisdom that is spoken here, invo involves discerning what God would have someone do as a result of that observation. And so it's, it's looking at everything that we're going through but then applying wisdom to understand how to navigate through it. Why? So that we might glorify God. Some possess that gift. Have you ever been around someone where you're just going through a tough time and they just, like they, they hear it once and they go, yeah, I think you should do this. Maybe you should do that. 
And then it just kind of works out. It's like, man, that's incredible. I've shared this with so many people and they've wrestled. They've wrestled to try to figure out what to do. But, but I'm so thankful for your wisdom in helping me apply what is helpful and will keep me faithful to the one who is seated on the throne. The utterance of wisdom. The other one that he gives us is the utterance of knowledge. This gift appears to specifically address the Corinthian, Corinthian overemphasis on knowledge. You see, the, the Corinthians, man, knowledge to them was huge. Everything was about knowledge. How much did you know? How much could you recite? And so Paul comes in and he says, no, no, this is a different kind of knowledge. This is a different kind of knowledge. This is one that, that helps us unpack the Scriptures because there are many things in the Scriptures that we'll read and we'll just go, nah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what God is trying to say here. And so these people have the gift to navigate through the Scriptures and unpack the gold that is there. These are the individuals that, that just always have the ability to, to go deeper than most people can. Again, to glorify God. To not make much of themselves, but to make much of God. And so they are always pointing to God. They are like a finger pointing to the sun. Our focus is not on the finger, but it's on the sun. And so some have this gift of just reading the scriptures and going, oh, this, this is what God is saying. This is what God means. They are able to take all of it, the cultural context, the historical context, the languages, and go, hey, this is what God is saying to us in 2017. It's no different to what he was saying to the believers in Corinth. The utterance of knowledge. The gift of faith. See, though faith is an essential part of every Christian's life, the gift of faith is the unique ability to trust God against all circumstances, as Peter did when he walked out of the boat onto the water. See, all of us have faith. If you're a Christian, you are given faith. But some have this gift. They have this ability to kind of stare at the challenges that we face and go, listen, I know that God will come through. I actually find those people quite frustrating. <laughs> because I want to show up to a fight and go, ah, you know what, yeah, it's bigger than us. But they have the ability to go, listen, I think God's going to come through for us. Let's go. Let's persevere. Let's continue. It's the gift of faith. The gifts of healing. See, this gift is given to a person whom God uses to restore others. But notice it says gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. This is to restore physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But have you noticed how the church only focuses on the physical? You want to know why? Because that's the one that we can see. That's the one that will give us more praise. That's the one that will grow our platform. But no one ever talks about the gift of healing someone emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Many of us are in need of that. In fact, I would say this, as middle-class South Africans, I think those are the ones that we need the most, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Why? Because we've got the means to sort ourselves out physically. I'm just going to call it out. Many of us in here have medical aids. And so at the first sign of trouble, that, that cough that you get, just swipe my medical aid. But emotionally and mentally and spiritually, we are wrecked. 
And so the body needs those who are gifted in healing to come and practice that. Not to make much of themselves, but to make much of God, who is the ultimate healer. He's the ultimate healer. The working of miracles, this describes when the Holy Spirit chooses to override the laws of nature, working in or through an available person. See the Greek phrase used here, which may be literally rendered as activities of power, refers to the extraordinary activities like exercising demons and raising the dead. Yes, we believe that that happens, and that still happens today. That God is at work, and He does this. But, but remember, the purpose is not for us to fill stadiums and get TV deals. I always look at these things and I go, man, why, why is it that they can only do this when the camera is in front of them? Why not do it when no one's looking? When no one will ever know who you are, but they will be blown away by the wonder of God. It's a question for us. The gift of prophecy. This is the telling forth of God's message in a particular situation, always in accord with His Word and His current work. Always in line with His Word. Yes, I believe in prophecy, but it must be aligned with God's Word. And so that's why when, when anyone, and anyone comes to me and says, hey, listen, I have a word for you, brother. I have a word for you, brother. I go, man, I can't wait to receive it. Just wait. And I go and get this. And I go, okay, I'm ready to receive. And, and they'll say something. They may say something incredibly encouraging. But if it doesn't align with God's word, if it doesn't match up with God's word, then we must ask the question, where is it from? Where is it from? gift of prophecy. The ability to distinguish between spirits. See, I believe this one is tied to the gift of prophecy, and here's why. This gift allows an individual to recognize whether an utterance comes from God or an evil spirit. Alternatively, it may involve the ability to distinguish between good and evil spirits. Whether the spiritual activity being encountered comes from God or from demons. See, Satan appears as an angel of light. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And so he will desire to bring about a message that looks like it's from God, but has nothing to do with him. We see this in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? I mean, it sounds right, but but it's not in here. It's not what God promised. It's not what God said. And so we need those who have this gift, those who have this ability to serve the body in going, mm, no, that's not from God. That's from you. That's a message from you. And you don't want a message from me because my message will never heal. It doesn't reconcile us to the Father. It doesn't bring redemption and restoration. Only the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
I believe the church is in desperate need of those who possess this gift. The greater church is in desperate need of those who have the ability to distinguish between spirits. Because so many, so many are being led astray. Paul talks about various kinds of tongues. These are personal languages of prayer given by God, whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. We'll get into this in the next coming weeks because Paul unpacks this because this had become a thing in the Corinthian church. This ability to, to speak in languages that people don't quite understand. What does that mean? What is the purpose of that? Paul says it's a gift. I know some of you here possess it. But then one closely tied to that is the interpretation of tongues. See, when there is no interpretation, then that gift is for you and God. And there is no need for other people to hear it or see it. But where there is interpretation, where there is interpretation, then there is a message for the body. That God is saying, yes, listen, I'm speaking to you in this personal language, but, but the body needs to hear this as well. And so those who possess the gift of interpretation, they will come alongside those who have the gift of tongues and interpret so that we might all benefit. But when someone's up here rambling in a different language and we're all standing going, okay, just waiting for the next song then. Because I have no idea what's happening. It takes the focus of God no matter what you think, it takes the focus of God and then now it's about that person up in front. But we'll see this in a couple of weeks. Paul lays out these nine supernatural gifts that are given to the body for us, for the equipping of God's people. Now it's important to notice that a grace gift, right, a spiritual gift is uniquely fitted to each individual. Determined by the Holy Spirit and not you. Determined by the Holy Spirit and not you. Now, your input and your desire are welcome. In fact, Scripture says that, that we are to ask. We are to ask for gifts. And so your input, your desire is welcome. But you must remember that the kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is a kingdom with a king. Now he is a good king. He is a loving king. He is a righteous king. But he's still a king. And so he gives the gifts as he so chooses. Verse 11 tells us this. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. I run into so many people that are like, hey, listen, um, if you want a particular spiritual gift, uh, just come to me, and, and I can hook you up, man. <laughs> and for a small price, man, I could, I could double up on some of those gifts. Are you the Holy Spirit? Are you the Holy Spirit? That is a question that we must ask, and it's, it's so sad because here's why it happens. This is why churches like that and movements like that are growing is because people don't know the scriptures as they ought to. Because it's, it's, it's right here. It says here, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Not as prophet so-and-so wills. Not as man of God 
wills as the Holy Spirit wills. Because He knows what's best for us as a body. He knows what this community needs. And so He'll assign those gifts accordingly. They are uniquely fitted to each individual. And so we shouldn't be looking left and right going, oh man, that's a really cool gift. I wish I had that gift. Oh man, that, that gift is amazing because everyone notices that gift. We begin to covet. We begin to desire. We take our eyes off God and now it's all about us. Not recognizing that God has uniquely fitted your gift for you for the benefit of the body so that people might see him for who he is. And so we should celebrate one another's gifts. That no gift is more, no, no gift is more important than the other. No gift is more important than the other. They are uniquely fitted for each individual. Like hand and glove. And so Paul says, regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they are given to us, freely given to us, and they are given for us the body. But then the last thing that he says is that they are given to display God. They are given to display God, the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the richness of who God is. That we are to see the, the richness of who God is as we operate in our spiritual gifts that have been uniquely fitted and given to us. We see this in verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everything. See, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are diverse. Paul uses the word varieties to explain this. He says it here. He says it in other parts of the Scriptures. Yet there is one giver. The Trinitarian God, there is one giver. But before we unpack the giver of these gifts, notice Paul uses different words when talking about the spiritual gifts. He uses gifts, right, the obvious one. He uses service, and then he uses activities. He uses gifts, service, and activities. The, the word gifts in the Greek is, is charisma. The plural is charismata. This is where we get the word charismatic from. This talks about gifts. The word just simply means gifts. We should also see it when, when we read the gift of eternal life or, or the gift of freedom, freedom from death and sin. That, that is a gift, charisma. But then Paul also uses the word service. He uses the word service in the Greek, diakonia. This is where we get the word deacons from. What is the purpose of deacons? To serve. And so he says, listen, the gifts are given to us to serve one another. To serve one another. This is why we start up different ministries in the church. Why? To serve one another. And so he says, listen, they are gifts and they are also to serve. They are service. They are ministries. And then the last word he uses is activities. Inergema. Y'all should be impressed, man. I, like, I spent... I sp I sp I was about to say hours. That's not true. I spent a few minutes trying to, like, I need to make sure I pronounce these words correctly. Activities, inergema. This is where we get the word energy from. Effects, activities, motion. That these gifts need to be fueled by the power of God. 
That's what Paul is saying. So they are gifts given to us so that we might serve, but they are to be fueled by the power of God. He says that in our spiritual gifts, we should see the richness of who God is. But let's talk a little bit about the giver. I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul sets up a clear parallel when he says varieties of gifts, the same spirit. Varieties of service, the same Lord. Variety of activities, the same God. He's emphasizing the inner life of the Godhead. The Spirit gives, the Son serves, and God the Father energizes His people with great power to serve the common good. The Son sends the Spirit. The Father sends the Son. The Spirit gives life and also gives gifts. Do you see the Trinity at work? Jesus Christ did not consider His gifts or His abilities as things to be held on to tightly. He wasn't involved in gift-grabbing and gift-holding or gift-exploiting. This is something that we do, not Jesus. He gave his life. After Jesus Christ sacrificed his life through his service to sinners, the Spirit gave gifts to each member of Christ's church. See, God is a giver by nature. The Father God gave the Son to redeem us. God did not have to give anything. He didn't have to give anything. In fact, if anyone deserves to be given something, it's God. But he looked at us in our sin, in our hoarding, in our non-giving and freely gave of himself. The son accomplished and achieved redemption. Jesus perfectly achieved what sinners never could so that they could be free to receive the gift they could never deserve. He overturned the culture of achievement and created the culture of giving. The Son sent the Spirit just when one would think He had given everything. You would think that Jesus has given everything on the cross. He ascended to heaven and gave more. He poured out the Spirit, and the Spirit gives life. The Spirit applies all that Christ achieved, namely His grace. But He does not stop at this one-time gift of salvation. He continues to give in our sanctification, in us becoming more and more like Christ. He continues to give. The Spirit also gives gifts. The Trinitarian God is in a perpetual state of giving. A perpetual state of giving. And we are to look to them as an example of how we are to be in a perpetual state of giving. And so the question is, do you give freely just as you have received freely from the Spirit? Do you have a heart that just wants to give the whole time? Do you? Are you one who wants to serve humbly just as Jesus came to serve and not be served? Or do you show up to gatherings like this and go, man, I want to be served. Serve me. I'm just going to sit here while you serve me. Or rather, do you have a spirit that wants to serve? Will you love others without reservation just as God loved you? As we walk through the series, these are some of the questions that we need to be asking ourselves. As we see the different gifts and we see the different issues of what was happening and what continues to happen in our church, we must ask ourselves this question, do we freely give? Do we? Do we show up to gatherings like this and say, listen, how can I serve? How can I love? All that God has given me, how, how can I give? Instead of trying to be in competition with one another. Oh, I'm more spiritual than they are. Our church is more spiritual than that church. 
We're all serving the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God who empowers all of us. Will you freely give as you have freely received? Let's pray. And so, Father, we, we come seeking your wisdom, your counsel, that as you open up the Scriptures, as we get to see and understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what they actually mean, Father, would we do so with a posture that is willing to serve and willing to love and willing to engage, that this is not about competing with one another, but it's about glorifying you. And we do that by loving one another, by looking to our left and to our right and asking the question, how can we better serve our brothers and sisters? And so, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come, that he would come in a profound way, in a powerful way, that we would acknowledge that he is here and that he gives. He gives life and he gives us gifts to display this life that has been given to us to those who have crossed the line of faith and to those who don't know you yet. But Lord, may we be remembered as those who were found at the foot of the cross, ready to receive from you with hearts open and hands open, but also as those who are crying out to others saying that there is so much more room at the foot of the cross. If only you would bend the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord, of everything that we see, and that includes my life as well. And so, Lord, we love you. We praise you. Let your Holy Spirit come in this place. In Jesus' name we pray.